Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome to Positive Talk Radio. It's a beautiful day in wherever the heck Ann is. Uh, Captain Ann, it's a beautiful day there, and it's also a beautiful day where Captain Diana are. If you're wondering why I'm calling them Captain, it's because they sailed from, and I do mean sailed, from Seattle, Washington, all the way to New Zealand which was a, a magical trip that took a long time. I've known Anne for, Anne, it's, it's been, what, since 2003 since we met? Yep, that's what I was thinking. Yep, 2003, and uh, we were um, um, kind of working together, and, and there were other folks that were involved, but she always wanted to be of the sea and wanted to learn how to sail and, and go around the world and and. Uh, the reason that she's here, she's back after uh, four, a 14-month journey, and uh, her co-captain, is, is that how it would work? Are you guys co-captains? Yes. Yes. Oh, very nice. And they they sailed, and it was an actual sailboat, a 45-footer or so. And uh, I got, I, so I got to ask you, and I'll start with you. You sailed. Why would you do such a thing? It didn't just scare the heck out of you. Uh, no, what scares me is driving on 405. <laughs> Being out on the ocean, I have figured it out. I have complete control out there. When when I got to New Zealand, I went up in a helicopter and I thought I was going to die. I was so scared and I had to realize it was because I wasn't flying the helicopter. So, nope, I trust Diana and I trusted our boat, Arctic Loon, that it was Diana's boat. and uh we looked forward to every day out there so and how did you two meet well um gosh i don't remember the year maybe 10 years ago i signed up for sailing lessons and ann was my instructor i was in her very first class so it was um at san juan sailing and I think it was about four or five weekends in a row. We'd go out for an overnight. And that's how we met. And Diana said that very first day, and it was 2012, because it's when I got my captain's license. And she was in my first class. And she announced, I'm going to get a boat. And I'm my dream is when I'm retired to sail across the Pacific to New Zealand. Well, we did it. I did it, Yes. <laughs> so, um, and let's, let's talk about your license a little bit, because you got that in 2012. Um, how yep. long does it take to get a captain's license? And what do you have to know to be able to get all of that done and to get a captain's license? 
Well, the crazy part is you need 365 days on the water. So oh, luckily I started sailing when I was 10 and I couldn't use my days on the water when I was 10 years old, but I had plenty of days on the water. You have to have a uh, 90 in the last three years before getting your license, but you can go back all those years. And uh, then you have to go to class and you have to take three pretty serious Coast Guard tests. And uh, then they, uh, ish oh, and you have to pass drug tests. So I'm not allowed to uh, use cannabis for any of my aches and pains because I have to have random drug testing. And that's a, and that's because it's federal, not, not state. It's federal. Right? And no drugs on boats because it's federal. So you can't have any drugs on the boat. Can you have a, a beer or two? Uh, <laughs> only after anchor. Yes. <laughs> we did oh. not drink across the ocean. Seriously. Well, we, well, well one we, time. When one we time. The yeah. We so we did the, the King Neptune ritual. Which is? Go ahead, Diana. <laughs> you explain it better than me. It's just okay. what you so, do when you cross the equator. Yeah, I don't the know. Navy, the it's a Navy thing, and they do rituals. And uh, we didn't do anything crazy like make people jump overboard. But uh, we had met this couple that their ten-year-old son had created a little package. So we had um, chocolates, and then we had a bottle I of champagne. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, we even spilled a little uh, champagne purposely for King Neptune in the water because that's your ritual to make sure you get safely back to your home port. So how many crew did you guys have? How did how did that work? Well, we started off, I, I, Diana and I were there the whole time, but then we used uh different friends, family, and then different students of mine. So we had a total of uh, 18 different people that came and joined us over the 14 months. Oh, wow. No, you, more, you two than must five. no more than I'm five sorry. at a time. Five at a time. Six, is, that how, is that how many beds are on? I, I don't know what you call is it. What do you call a bed on a boat? Is it, is it a berth? What is it? It's a berth. Ah, see? Yes, you got <laughs> it right. But Kevin, um, when we crossed oceans at night crossings, we hot bunked. So you never knew where your bed was going to be. What is hot bunking? What does that mean? You sleep ahead, wherever Diana. there's a bed. There's a, wherever there's a bed, you sleep. Actually, I think the, almost the entire trip, I slept upstairs to kind of be the backup person for the person at the helm. So I slept outside. Not not the entire 14 months, but every time we were doing crossings. She right. actually got to have her bed when we were anchored. When we were at a at a at a at a port or at a uh at like at anchor, right. How many ports of call did you go and did you have? How many would you say, Anne? I was trying to think 20 or 30 maybe more when you consider the Sea of Cortez and, and it's hard to, to, to yeah. think of the, the places that we stopped. I'd say at least, at least 20 or 30. Or more. I more. mean, there were, maybe. Uh, there were a lot. 
Yes. So now what route? Well, first of all, let, let me go back. Let me go back into the mists of time. So, so how long did it? So you had to have 365 days on the water. How did you prove that? Well, uh, my story was kind of funny. I, uh, when I was 24, my brother bought my older brother bought a beautiful 45 foot sailboat. And so I was his delivery crew. So I would take it up to Desolation Sound or the San Juan Islands. And then he'd fly me and my friends back. And then we would fly up at the end of summer and get it. And I had photos that I had organized all in chronological order. So when I had to figure out my hours of, because I never knew back then I would become a gap, captain and need this. Um, I went back to all those photos and I donated all the trips. And then I went to lunch with my brother and I said, I need you to sign some documents. And he goes, I showed him how many days on the water I'd used his boat. And he said, how do you know this? And I lifted up the Excel spreadsheet. And I think I was more embarrassed for him to know how many days on the water that I had used his boat. I have a feeling it might've been more than him because he was a busy lawyer. And and he wasn't expecting you to, uh, you know, borrow his, borrow in quotes, his boat that much. Oh, he liked, as everyone knows, a boat needs to be used. So I kept the boat in working order. I cleaned it. And uh, so he was happy that I was using the boat. Mm -hmm. Is is it true? I've heard this saying, and I don't know that to be true or not. The two happiest days in your life are when you buy your boat and then when you sell your boat. Is that true? We better ask Diana because I uh, own the boat. That's a hard one to answer as we speak here today because my boat is still in New Zealand and it will soon be put up for sale. I had intended to bring it home, but my life took a different turn. So it will soon be up for sale and I'm heartsick about it. I will miss that boat. It was my life for about 10 years. So, so I'm not of that crowd that it's a happy day when you sell your boat. What oh, about your fun. first boat when you sold it? Oh, I was happy with that one. That one was constantly breaking down. Although all boats break down, that one was, was over the top with repairs. So that was a happy day. Owning yes. a boat's expensive, isn't it? It's very expensive. It's, um, never ending, never ending, a money pit. Just like everybody says, no exaggeration. It never ends. Endless number of crossing, things that break. There was one day crossing from Mexico to French Polynesia and we had things break every day. And one day Diana goes, if something breaks today, <laughs> it's not getting fixed. <laughs> and tell the rest of that story. Shortly oh, after that, Diana, Diana was sleeping. You want to tell it? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> she was sleeping in the salon on the bench, and I went in to use her head, as you call the bathroom. And I went in and I closed the door, and the handle fell off. And so now <laughs> I'm stuck in the bathroom. And Diana, all I hear is giggling from outside because <laughs> Diana's like, oh, I knew no. what it was. The, the handle, handle kept off. falling off all the time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so, so 
now having not ever been on a sailboat, I don't think not once have I ever been on a sailboat. I, so I have no idea how it all works. Is there a, uh, is there like a uh, tank that, that your, your, uh, when you go to the bathroom that it goes into, or does it go right into the water? It goes into a tank. Ah. Um, then you have and to- then you open, you open the tank um, when you are at least three miles from I- any land. But crossing the ocean, we kept it 12 miles. Well, maybe across the ocean. I guess in Puget Sound, it's three miles. Wasn't it three? Actually, the new rule in Puget Sound is none. You have to cross the border. You have to cross the border into Canada because they don't have the same law. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, you have to be far away from land to open it up. So I think crossing the ocean, we had it open for a while, but we found out that that wasn't a good thing. And so then crawl up there and grow inside your uh, through hole valve. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's very challenging to do what you guys do now. Now I don't, don't even, and I don't even know how sailboats work. How, so it, at nighttime, would you guys lower your masts and, and, and use the engine? Would you, um, when, how did, how did that work? And because I imagine, first of all, when you're crossing the ocean, there's nowhere to park. So you you can't park anywhere, and uh, um, there's no street lights, um, and there's so there it must be it must have been really beautiful to look at the sky though. Unbelievable! I you know what my favorite thing about night sailing is on a clear night the stars cascade down onto the water 360 degrees around you, and one night we saw this star coming up over the horizon and we said, oh, it's a boat <laughs> and it was a star. And as it kept going higher and higher, we're like, it's not a boat. Cause we never saw anyone out there. So we were so excited that there might be a mass out there that we have some company on the ocean. So I think you were we, part- wa- we watched for many, many nights, the Southern cross, um, which was, was phenomenal. It was just always there. It seems like even when we had clouds, the Southern Cross was there. And that's what we often would steer to, to make sure that we were on, on course. We would just look up there, not only look at our charts and, and our screens and everything, but sometimes just I would just steer straight to the Southern Cross. And, it and was, what is the Southern Cross? Always there. It's... Um, a uh, star formation. Um, it looks like, like a North diamond. Star. It's like what? Gotcha. Our North Star. So they yeah. don't have our North Star and we don't have their Southern Cross. Yeah. Got you. Well, because we, we look north for the North Star and you, you can't look north if you're going south. Nope, nope. I miss okay. the Southern Cross. And if you know the song by Stephen Steele's, Southern Cross. That was when he left California and sailed across the ocean and uh, to the Marquesas. So next time you listen to that song, think of Diana and I. We played that every night at sunset. That was our uh, our crew song. Yep. 
at sunset, we would have dinner every night and we had seven different sailing songs we'd listen to as the sun went down. And then we knew it was time to start our shifts, our night shifts. But that was just what we did every day. We'd have dinner together. And then as it started to get dark, we would um, then um, go our separate ways, get sleep or, or start our shifts. But started night- out listening to those seven songs. How did the, the night shift work? Well, well we four-hour shifts. And if it was rough conditions, we would have two people on deck. So you could always just yell to the other person, wake them up if you needed them. Um, when it was super calm, there were times when people were all sleeping downstairs. But you always knew. So if I was the first one on and I was on my shift, then the next person knew they were coming on. So they would set their alarm and get ready and get fed if they needed something, get bundled up if they needed it. But more often than not, it was warm enough. We weren't even wearing coats. And then you would rotate through the night. If things got dicey, you'd hear a whistle and all hands on deck. And then we would have to outrun a squall or um, whatever, do a, a tacking or whatever, jiving if there was something that had to be done with the sails. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's, and it didn't scare you. You weren't, I mean, what, what because you don't know, well, tell, you tell me, but I'm assuming that when the water gets rough and you don't know how rough it's going to get. Well, we hoped that we were smart enough and used all our resources that we weren't going to get in the diciest, scariest thing that would take us down. Here's what happened. We went to a life or a, a sea safety course over in Bainbridge and they made us get in the pool in our life, in our gear with our life vests on. And we had to crawl into one of those emergency rafts that we were carrying with us. And we get inside and they say the first thing that happens when you get in the raft is someone will puke. So our goal this entire (laughs) trip was not Not never to have to execute the life raft and never have to get in it. And it was tough. In the conditions that we saw out there, I'm not sure we would have gotten our life raft off the boat and gotten everybody in the water and gotten in that life raft. It's, it's quite an ordeal. Oh, I, I can imagine. Now I was reading an article recently about something called a rogue wave. Are you familiar with that? Yes. And I, I remember article, yeah. Kevin. What? I read that same article. I never want to see a rogue wave like that. No, it I was think a- you saw a few. I remember nighttime, you being at the helm and getting slammed, you know, not like what you're talking about, you know, not a massive rogue wave, not but, a but they would hit us. Yeah. I'm a small wave would hit us broadsided out of nowhere. And that would happen at night sometimes. But I but remember I think- one night you screamed one of, and Anne that doesn't scream about anything. <laughs> and and well, that scared you. Are, are you sure it was that or was it the whale? Well, I think maybe it was, it was the whale. It was the whale. I think maybe it was both, both. No, with the whale, um, we were in Tonga 
and it was a full moon and there were whales all around us. The humpbacks come up from Antarctica and then they come to Tonga and have their babies and head south. So everyone went to bed. It's like 1030 at night. The full moon is out. We're sailing on a beam reach. It's about 30 knots of wind. And all of a sudden, a, a humpback surfaces right at the stern, right at me. And splashes in the water and I scream and nobody does anything. And so all of a sudden I yell, asleep. <laughs> I yell all hands on deck and everybody comes up and they go, what's wrong? And I go, there's a whale. And they go, and there's whales everywhere. <laughs> so what we did is we were sailing. So we turned on the engine and the vibration of the engine notifies the whales that were out there. And then they give you a little clearance and don't mess with us like that. <laughs> well, I, could it be that that uh, humpback knew that you were there and was decided that he was going to play a game with you? Oh, probably. Uh, They're yeah. pretty smart. <laughs> so d you saw whales. I'm sure you saw dolphins and uh, and other marine. What was the what was it? Did you see any sharks? One time, I think we saw a whale shark. Um, but those, mostly when you cross the ocean, it's like crossing a desert. You see very little wildlife. We saw uh, dolphins, you know, coming down the coast off California, a pod of 500 or so that just came for, I don't know, it seemed like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. They just kept coming. But when you cross the ocean, we had a few birds hitch a ride with us, but you see almost nothing no wildlife we had um flying fish that would land on the boat and um we were so, shocked we were yeah. absolutely shocked after coming from the northwest and mexico the sea of cortez it, we just couldn't believe that the that we i it's a little scary when you think about it because mm -hmm. we should have seen more activity than we saw we feel yeah until we got to the Marquesas, till we got to areas where there was land mass, um, we really didn't see lot wildlife. It, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Anne, because one of the things that we're worried about, I think, is uh, uh, the damage to the ocean caused by um, the trash and and the and the stuff. Did you see in the middle of the ocean? Did you see any? Uh, any trash just out there floating around? We weren't where the that that trash uh, area garbage is dump. north. The garbage dump is north of Hawaii, and we are south of Hawaii. So the, they actually call it a, the garbage dump. Uh, they call it the Pacific Patch or Pacific Garbage Patch. Oh. That makes it sound better than dump. Yes, yeah. it does. Yes. yes, yes, it does. So, so I got, I got to ask you. You guys are together twenty four seven on a boat for fourteen months. Did you ever have any arguments? Did you want to throw each other overboard? No, no, I don't recall any arguments with Ann or anybody. Well, we were, might have had one crew member, but it wasn't arguments. <laughs> no, no, I think everybody pretty much got along. I mean, I don't recall any big conflicts. Um, other than the one one crew member that was didn't quite fit in, but other than that, 
Um, we got lucky because we've heard a lot of horror stories, but, um, you know, when we started this before everyone came on, I said, I'd go with Diana again. You asked me if I was going to go out there, I would be scared to go on another boat and have it be conflict because we just were so lucky. We were so busy. There wasn't time for that. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, you're just busy all day. You, you think you will have all the time in the world out there, but you're trying to catch up on sleep. You're trying to cook. You're trying to um, analyze the weather. You're looking at charts. You're busy all day. So you're separate a lot too. You know, we're, someone is trying to catch up on sleep. Somebody's at the helm. Somebody's cooking. So you have your own time. And then we had our time together at sunset every day and at dinner. So it was a busy, we were busy. It's hard so, to imagine, but that was one of my biggest surprises that I was busy all day. You know, just, just living the, living in the moment, just trying to navigate this boat and trying to get where we're going was a full-time job, full-time job. You know, you weren't distracted by the news. You weren't distracted by life. You were just out there living in the moment every day. And I miss every that. Yeah, yeah, I miss, I miss that, that too. I do too. We weren't, we never um, lived the shootings. We would get headline news about shootings, but they're not embedded in my brain like the other ones what, that I lived through. And you saw all the news stories when I lived here. Out there, we would get the headlines and we'd hear that there was a shooting here and there was this going on and these world crises going on. But we didn't live them. We didn't pay much attention to them because we had enough. We were just busy, you know, in our own little world out there surviving you know, and trying to get where we're going. That was our world. That's all we did. We were just, it was just us, the weather and the seas and breakdowns. <laughs> that was, <laughs> and breakdowns. Now, is it unusual for a sailboat to be uh, uh, manned or, excuse me, womaned by just women? Um, is that an unusual thing? And did you find anybody that found that unusual? I think, you know, it's something I never really thought of or, or put much thought into it before I left, but we constantly were admired or questioned or um, it was to other people, we were unusual. To, to me, it didn't seem like I was doing anything unusual. And but we there some, were very few women boats and there were yeah. a couple solo women um, sailing. But I think we were one of two. Well, and we have some funny stories. Like we we're sitting in Mexico uh, when we were getting ready to leave and you have immigration come on your boat and they didn't speak English. So they had a female there that was interpreting and we had a guy friend sitting on the boat with us. Four of us girls were leaving on the boat to go on the 3,000 mile journey to the Marquesas. So they kept, the men kept looking to our friend Marshall and referring questions to him. And finally he said, I'm not going on this boat. He goes, I'm going to go in a couple of years. I'm not the captain. And they're like, 
well, who's the captain? <laughs> it's like, oh, then they were almost embarrassed and they said, sorry. <laughs> I don't think they had had a girl boat leave there in a very long time. Yeah. Well, it's it's remarkable that you you guys, first of all, Anna, I, I got to congratulate you because you've lived your life just like you wanted to. And you became a captain and you worked very hard at it. Uh, you've got to sail around the world. You've seen some, you know, things that we only get to see in movies. Most of us, uh, you've lived it. And uh, both we feel of you special. We feel blessed for that. Yeah. And you're tying into your show, Kevin. One thing that happened every day, and Diana and I had been to Alaska together in 2014 on Arctic Loon um, for 71 days. And every morning we would say to each other, what's going to happen today? Like, we're on an adventure. We want to know what what animals are we going to see? What people are we going to meet? What uh, new things are we going to learn? And that's exactly what we did across the Pacific. And um it goes back to it's a great way to live if we live that way every day waking up going what's the excitement that's going to happen to me today yeah oh yeah that that you know and i wish that we all did that if we could all just say today is going to be a great day and i can't wait to see how it unfolds mm -hmm. um then that well, would be i love your quote at the beginning what is it um about starting your day oh now i'm forgetting it uh you, you might have, have, to the you have that it's it's uh uh starting your day with a great moment makes the day great or something yeah something i i and i can't even remember what i wrote but it's what it's how we should all i think how we should all live because you, you remember ann when i was doing the show in 2003 uh and uh you remember gilda's club yep and because uh, I know you were very involved with the community. For those who don't know, Gilda's Club was a cancer outreach and support group that would support people that, that had cancer and um, obviously and their families. And uh, I had some of them on one day and a four time cancer survivor said I asked her what the secret to life was. And she said, well, if you have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're pissing on the present. And so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's mm -hmm. it's like if you, you, you the present is all we've got. And I so love that. I love that because that's what this journey was like living in the moment for sure. And, and we met yeah. so many cool people. I mean, our our Rolodex of friends because you used that word on your show the other day. <laughs> <the> Rolodex is <laughs> yeah. it, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. We met. Like Diana mentioned, the female solo sailors. One was a 77-year-old woman sailing a Chinese junk, which, and she had a cat. And you're just looking at her in this tiny, what was it, 28 feet or something? Maybe. I think so. Or yeah. 34. And we are looking at her going, and we meet her in Tonga when our journey's almost over. And then there was Elena who left San Francisco and she was a foster uh, child and she decided to sail the world to educate people and raise awareness of foster kids around the world. So we just had some incredible um, uh, people that 
were an inspiration to us. I mean, we were an inspiration to some people and we didn't even know it, but there were a lot of people that were inspirational to us. Mm -hmm. And we met people from all over the world, people from South Africa, from Chile, Chile, um, from everywhere, everywhere. So um, people who, who had been on their boat for five years, um, or 17. What about or 17 from Alaska? Yeah, a couple. And weeks. they had only made it through the Panama up the uh, East Coast, up into New England, then back down Caribbean, the Panama. And we met them in French Polynesia. And that took them 17 years. And they were, <laughs> I'm like, okay, wow. you guys. Well, they'd been back to Washington and back to Alaska mm -hmm. a few times because, and Hawaii. Yeah they'd been to Alaska. So they were more doing the circuit instead of the whole globe. And I think every you had this instant camaraderie with everybody because you instantly had something to talk about your passage or your boat or something going on. Um, but the thing that was really eye opening, too, is that nobody cared about what people did in their prior life, you know, what career they had. Um, when they retired, we were all just out there. You know, it didn't matter if you were a lawyer, a doctor, or a clerk. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. You were all on the on an even even plane out there. You were all just sailors. And well, living, if you were a boat mechanic, then you were then like, you were, then the you were prized. You were the top of the list for sure. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's um, you learned a lot, didn't you, about people, about life, about about how to live purposefully and uh, and and positively and and um, moving forward. That's a, that's a, that's really great because you met some folks that were a seventy-seven-year-old woman with a cat on her own in the on the on the ocean. That's 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 hard to believe. But I think it's also the local people we met. I'd say that these were the happiest people I've ever met in my life. And they had such, so little and it didn't matter, but they were happy on these islands that we saw people. They were just happy with what they had. They weren't wanting anything or needing anything. They were just living, learn to live and be happy with their community. It was more community based than what we have in the U.S., that's so, that's that's really cool. You know, I've heard that before. That there there are places on our planet where people have nothing, absolutely nothing, but they're happy. Yeah. Because they have food. They 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 the simplicity of life is that they have food. They have water. They have friends. And that's what else do you need? Exactly. We I saw that we, over and over. And we really saw it in Tonga because they have not been commercialized. They have kept control, so there's no major hotels there. Um, so there's no McDonald's? No. 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 <laughs> I thought there was a McDonald's and a Starbucks everywhere on the planet. No, no Starbucks. No Starbucks. Oh, no. That, that must have been cruel and unusual punishment if you couldn't have your coffee in the morning. We had our coffee. <laughs> we stocked up on that. <laughs> so what did you know, what did you guys eat? Did was it all because you, what, did you have a refrigerator and electricity and all that stuff, or was it um, did you have to uh, was everything kind of freeze dried and and that kind of thing? We had a refrigerator for a while till it broke. 
Remember that? <laughs> or if we did have a refrigerator, the freezer broke. That's what it was. So we did have to eat a lot of freezer fo food quickly. Um, we ate a lot of dried grains, dried beans. Um, we were a vegetarian boat. Uh, so we didn't have meat on board. I can't tell you what we we ate, It, but it wasn't an issue. We, well, just we had a pressure cooker, so we could yeah. make incredible soups like Linda. our uh, West African peanut soup and different things. And then because we had a freezer and we had it for quite a while, uh, we would freeze part of the what we would make. And then when you were hungry, you just went to the freezer. But we ate whatever, wherever we came to, whatever was in season, because they don't they don't get shipments of food. You eat the tomatoes because tomatoes are in season. But if their tomatoes aren't in season, you don't eat tomatoes. But I think for me, you know, food just became nourishment out there. It's the first time where you're not obsessed with food. It's just, it. I didn't crave food. I didn't. I wasn't missing anything. But I was satisfied. I think we ate well. We had mm -hmm. plenty of food uh, and stir fries. You know, we had stir fries a lot and easy things. So, so I got to ask you then, if, if you're a vegetarian boat and you have a flying fish come in and land on the deck, you put, you, what do you do? Throw it back? Well, we usually found them dead the next morning. They would oh. arrive overnight. So, yeah, we would just throw them back. Except for the one. One. We don't know how this happened, but one flew into the cockpit and flew into the line bag. And so after a couple of days, we're like... Do you smell a dead fish? And Diana's vegetarian, right? So and she doesn't even eat fish. And so we search that boat. We look everywhere. And finally, I look at that line bag and I think, you know, we better pull those lines out. And sure enough, by then, I think it was completely dehydrated. But the lines, everything stunk. And so... <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. In the middle of the night, you would hear a thump. And you wouldn't, and you wouldn't really see it until the next morning. No, we wouldn't hear anything. They're they're tiny. They're oh, like they're oh, okay. they yeah. really they're the coolest things. They have wings. They really do fly. So when you yeah. find them, they're just like a long, skinny fish with these wings. And they just kind of skim the surface of the water. But then they come to they see a boat, and they're I guess. Um, have to go up and and they're curious of the lights strong. Yeah, maybe it was the lights. Yeah, you ask about electricity. We we had solar panels, so that's oh, how wow. we got our power. That and occasionally we'd have to run the engine to generate the to recharge the batteries. But solar panels were key. That um, kept our instruments going. That kept our lights going. These uh, stove was was propane, so we had a propane tank for that. And we had a desalinator water maker, so we yeah. had plenty of water. Yes. Can you imagine what it would have been like to uh, sail over the oceans 150 years ago? No, no. Especially well, Anne has oceans. a Anne has a friend who did it. How long ago? Yeah, there's a guy named uh, John Guswell, and he, when he was 25, he had built a boat up in Victoria, a 21-foot boat, and he sailed around the world 
first went to New Zealand, then got on someone else's boat, then gone back on his boat and sailed back to, to uh, Victoria. But he had no toilet. He had no, you know, None uh, of the water conveniences. I mean, he had no navigation. And so John was kind of our mentor. And when things would be rough, we'd say, John did it. We, without all this luxury, we can do it. Yeah, well, as long as he had a bucket, uh, he was probably going to be okay as far yep. as his uh, yep. facilities. And so he, was he has a book, actually, Kevin, and he's now 88 years old. He lives in Paulsbo. And if anybody wants to get the book for a family member or themselves, it's called Trekka, and that's the name of his boat. It's Trekka by John Guswell, and the boat has been restored, and it's in the Victoria Maritime Museum, if anyone's ever up there. Oh wow, that's 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 pretty cool. So Diana, you got you guys got to New Zealand, and uh, that that was your destination. So you weren't going to come back. You weren't going to um, um, take the boat back, or did you fly home? What did you do? Um, the plan was to bring it home, but um, uh, my things changed. Um, so basically, when once we got to New Zealand, I went home for Christmas and came back and then Anne, you stayed yep. and then so i toured Anne, another friend and i toured for three weeks then my husband came and i toured for three weeks and then COVID hit so Anne and i she had moved on to another boat at this time and we both went through uh lockdown in new zealand when at the early on in COVID, where we couldn't leave, the airplane stopped. So we were in very two different marinas in very strict lockdown, where with probably the only country in the world that beat the virus. I mean, we lived it extreme lockdown for months, watching the numbers go down every day until one day New Zealand had eradicated it. And we were all in tears for days. You'd run into people and it, we were tearing up because we felt like we had won the war and they got rid of it. And then things opened up again and eventually the virus came back and New Zealand has become like everybody else. They're battling it right now. But I have not been able to go back to my boat. I came home as soon as as soon as they got rid of the virus, the airplanes were flying again. I was able to go home. Uh, the borders were still closed. And so I have not been able to go back in probably two years. So and there's a quite a handful of people yeah. in, that can't get to New Zealand to their boats, including the boat I moved to. And it's a real struggle worldwide. There's 10,000 cruising sailboats not in their home countries. Most of them have their owners on them, but the borders haven't opened yet. People aren't free to, you can always sail home to your home country, but to sail home to Seattle from New Zealand, you've got to go upwind all the way and it's a journey. So most people yeah. leave, yeah, they most people leave New Zealand and go over to Australia, go over to the Suez Canal or down around the Cape of uh, South Africa and then go up and go to the Caribbean and come home. But that takes years. Yeah. 
And you can't leave, really leave New Zealand because there's no place to go to. All the places that you need to stop at, their borders are closed. You can't stop in Fiji. You can't stop in Tahiti. Now you can, but until weeks ago. But not now. many. I mean, I think yeah. uh, Tahiti and, and uh, Fiji are the only countries down there that are open to cruisers right now. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So everybody's really dead in the water here. It's just um, you can't get back to your boat. You can't. You have no choice but to just leave it there and and. And now, is, somebody, out. is somebody taking care of it or is it just moored there? It is uh, on the hard, which means it's out of the water in a, in a marina. And so the marina is, kind, is checking on it, taking care of it. But it's been, when did I come home? Last June. So it's been a year, almost a year and a half since I left it there. Wow. And can't you know, get back. You know, you think you think that COVID will hopefully it, but it affects everybody and it's yeah. affected you guys and it changed your everything about what you guys were doing. Right. It, and it's really sad because like uh, Judy and Ed that we talked about that had been out for 17 years, they've yeah. now sold their boat. They sailed it back to, to California and they're living on land again. And that was not their mm -hmm. plan. Our other friends on Tango, They've had their boat shipped back to Texas and they are back in the United States. Uh, and then our other friends this next couple of weeks are shipping their boat from Auckland to Spain. And then they're flying to Spain when they can fly to Spain. Um, and then they'll live on their boat in the Mediterranean. But it's just changed everybody's. But the people who did this trip the year after we did it were really the ones who felt the effects of this because they got stranded in places like Tahiti and weren't allowed to go ashore. And these islands weren't getting their shipments of supplies and they were struggling to pay to feed their own people. And so you have all these boaters that they're not, they're scared to death of COVID. They're not letting them go ashore and the boaters can't get the supplies they need. So they would just send out boats to sell them, you know, food and water. But people were like for months anchored out and not able to go to shore places. So they had it rougher. The people who left 2019 to do this journey, we left 2018. You know, there's a Facebook uh, website called Stranded at Sea. And when you read the stories and sadly, people died of COVID on their boats around the world. Oh, I can believe it. Spouse was left with the boat without their spouse to continue their journey or to make the hard decisions while they're dealing with the death of their spouse. So I would tease Diana and say, every boat has a story. There needs to be a book written. Well, now after COVID, there needs to be like 10 books written about it. Yes. Well, I hope you guys, are you going to write a book, Ann? It's coming. Yep. I know, I know you've got a slideshow uh, presentation that you've done, too. Yep, yep. And I'm trying to get it professionally or more professionally done so it can be on YouTube. Um, so if, if people go to YouTube right now and type in Captain Ann Allberg, there's an original slideshow that was done on the Asmar cruise ship. And it is our trip from Palsbo to Tonga. But... You never know if we actually made it to New Zealand or not. 
well, you did, and you and it worked, and and you you survived it, and you survived COVID. That's quite a story, guys. And uh, I'd like I'd like to thank you both for being here because it's uh, you know, and you're following your dream, you followed your passion, you're now a captain, you're doing all of this great stuff. You must be proud of yourself. You know, I forget about it, and then when I do the presentation and people ask questions or comment or young women are inspired, I realize what we really did. And uh, Diana is on to another journey. So briefly, she should tell you what she's up to right now. Well, I kind of spur of the moment, moved to Hawaii uh, to a coffee farm, to a Kona coffee farm. So I have a couple of acres of coffee plants and grow coffee, uh, Kona coffee now. So, and I love it here. I, I was meant to live in the tropics on an island and it's a great place to be. So this is my next, my next life after that journey. And so, you're in, you're in one of the best places in the world because it's warm it's got tropical stuff, but it doesn't have snakes. And so I'm very happy about that. No snakes, but we have earthquakes and we have volcano <laughs> eruption. And I had a lightning strike a couple of uh, weeks ago I, or maybe a month ago, very close to my house. So so there's always something. There's always something. <laughs> yep, there's always something. Something always goes happen. So, ladies, I'd like to thank you very much for being here today. It's it's been awesome. And Anne, when your book comes out, hint, 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 yep. you're going to have to come back, and we're going to have to uh, uh, talk about you more in depth. And Diana, uh, I hope that uh, the coffee business is is treating you well. And and you are one tough lady. I got to tell you, to, to just follow your dream and do whatever you you're going to do. You, I got you, trained by Anne. That's how it come. <laughs> it's, it's what happens when two people come together. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm glad you're both here. And Anne, thank you so much uh, for you. everything that you're doing. It's it's just awesome. So thank you, um, Kevin. If you, I, I have to go in just a second, but give me one your one minute speech of life. What do you what do you want our audience to know? Go ahead, Anne. I'd say just just do it. Don't wait. Just go do it. Yep. I think I'll add to that and just say life is short. And every day we find out of someone that's got uh, a new disability or cancer and just go out and do it. And, you know, you learn on the way and you make great friends and people help you. Don't wait till it's all lined up perfectly because it'll never happen. You know, you'll never get it all in order the way you you think it should be in your mind just go just go you'll figure and it you'll, out you'll regret what you don't do yeah Ooh, there's a bumper sticker that's a, yes. that's a t-shirt too that's a t-shirt that's a book and second <laughs> <That's> book. <laughs> absolutely ladies stay right, right there i'll be i gotta do this and i'll be right the bag okay thanks Bye. kevin thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of kmmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named kmmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.